Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Part of really walking out the day we're living is, is to understand the times. Amen. We're supposed to understand the times. And if we understand the times, then we recognize I shouldn't live my life the way I, I really should live my life the same way I was living before. If I was living, realizing that no matter what, you're in your last days, even if you're just born, right? <laughs> Amen. But, but when we really recognize that we are now back in the Bible, so to speak, and the time is running for the, the, the day of the church age to end, amen? And, and God is preparing the Jews, so we need to be praying for Israel, amen? We need to continue to give to Israel. We need to be praying that their eyes open. We need to recognize he's going to call forth 144,000 witnesses, which to me also means the church isn't going to be here or, or the church who has power is not going to be here. Amen. The church who has power is not going to be here. And, and let me say this, this isn't about, Oh, I'm afraid to stay here. So therefore I'm going to get oil. You won't get oil based on fear. You won't get any oil based on fear. You get oil based on being close to the Holy spirit. The only way to buy oil, which has already been purchased. Amen is by taking the time to hang out with God, to worship God, to talk to the Holy Spirit, to, to have conversations with Jesus, to wait for the place where Jesus takes you into the Father, because then the power starts to come, amen? To quit being a baby and just recognize, like infants, and thinking you're fathers, amen? And infants, and even thinking you're the sons and the daughters. The sons and the daughters, what is the key if you're a son or a daughter? There's a really strong key to let you know if you're a son or a daughter yet. It, you need to know where you're at, amen? And that's not to judge each other or question each other. It's none of our business where somebody else is at. It's between them and God. If you're an infant, okay, if you're an infant, it means you're born again. But it means you're tossed every which way. You watch the news, you believe what the world's saying. You hear this teaching and you're okay with it. And it think about it. An infant basically doesn't make any decisions. Right? An infant doesn't make any decisions. An infant in the kingdom is someone who truly got born again. Somewhere they accepted Jesus Christ. They may not even know for sure they did it. But he's in there. Amen? The seed of God, the Holy Spirit, is inside of an infant. And then you got to carry them. And you got to take total care of them. And they're tossed every which way. So they don't know what they really believe. They, oh, I can't get it all that. They're still very much in their brains and much more like the world. But they're born again. How many are thankful for that? Amen? Isn't he amazing? Then there's the sons and the daughters. When you get to the place of son and daughter, well, then there's also children, okay? If you look at the, I think, Second John, there's children. So, so what's a child? Now, that's not a son and a daughter. The children are those who are beginning 
to trust the Father. How many of you, like, like when Lauren was a little tiny thing, she really believed in God. Like she really talked, she sung songs to Jesus and she meant it and she prayed for people and actually she'd pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. She, she was just a child, but she was falling in love with Jesus with this really open faith and just loving the Father. So many people old in the Lord are still infants. They never even got to be a child. And I encourage you, when you're a child, enjoy it. Don't try to steal the childhood from a child and the things of God. Amen? People are going to be coming in and getting saved new, you know, and they're going to go quickly if they're in this church, more than likely, from infant to child. Amen? Can't you let them enjoy it and don't tell them how bad things might get? Amen? Maybe things won't get that bad for them. Just let them enjoy. So what we've been watching is a lot of people calling themselves sons and daughters and a lot of people calling themselves fathers, but we've seen sons and daughters who overcome the evil one. We've seen them bringing people out of infants into childhood. And then you got a bunch of children running around thinking they're raising the dead and doing powerful things when really they're just playing and learning things and hanging out some with God. And most of them don't even understand who the father is. And most of them will call Jesus father. Amen? You just need to know where you're at. It's okay, we're not judging each other. You get to choose if you want to grow up. You get to choose. How? By wanting to be close to God. By seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness together. A lot of people seek his kingdom because that's really cool when you're a child. I want to walk on water. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, no, he wants you to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. He doesn't say one or the other. If you're seeking just his righteousness, you become very legalistic with no authority and power. And if you seek just his kingdom, you can get really off track or really arrogant and think you're walking in a place you're not. Either one of those two things, you're going to be shaken right now. The self-righteous and those who are only after, you know, right standing with God and the word and all this, they're going to be shaken right now because they're not having the encounters that seeking his kingdom will bring. Amen? And understanding his kingdom. Amen? And so, so we're really, we're all in this together. Amen? Just get a hold of this. We're going to live forever if we're born again. So, so we're all infants to God in a way, you know what I'm saying? This is just like a big interactive uh, plan that God came up with to develop a family. And we just happen to be born into the thousands and thousands of years where he decided to do this. Isn't that cool? But he's going to be doing things forever. Isn't he awesome? And, and that we're in a church and actually wanting to know him and walk with him is amazing. So I'm excited for infants. Amen. I'm not going to judge and condemn them. They're going to be tossed every which way. So I expect it. I'm not going to say they're not saved because they're being tossed every which way. I'm going to keep praying they want to grow up. I'm going to be extremely excited for children. Quit making children in the things of God not enjoy their childhood. Look what's happening in the world. They're trying to steal their child. Ooh, remember, everything you see in your culture is something you see in the church in your nation. Well, look how they got all the little girls, little tiny ages with fancy hairdos and makeup and, and wearing clothes that are seductive, and they're just little kids. And look at all the perverts a pedophile that they're trying to make normal. Well, people, that's what we've done in the church. Not sexually, but we get little people just born again, and we're teaching them meat and trying them to look like they're raising the dead already. 
We're having them at meetings and having them close their eyes and talking them into going to heaven. I sat at one of those meetings. I wasn't in heaven. I've seen heaven before. I was sitting in a chair in a conference room, and it won't heaven. Thank God. Heaven doesn't look like the chair you're sitting in here. Aren't you thankful? It's like witchcraft. It's like maybe there's some people, maybe there were some people that God used some of that for. Amen. Like I can journal, and if I journal, Holy Spirit starts speaking through me and writing, and it's really him. But I could tell you to journal, a devil could take over in your hand and start doing it if your heart's not right before God or you're just a child. So somehow we have to learn how to preach and teach like Jesus did where he could talk to children, infants, and sons and daughters and be making fathers all at the same time. Amen? So let's enjoy our childhood. Quit making your children grow up too fast. Amen? Stop it. That's the problem in the church. That's a big problem in the church. That's why there's so much counterfeit. Sad. Now, sons and daughters, and Ryan, you said you knew. So what is the key of sons and daughters? Overcome the? Yes. <laughs> sons and daughters are in the battle to overcome the evil one. Okay? Now, that's where most of those who come here on a regular basis, been hungry for God and going after God. Some of you backslid and went to childhood, amen? Playing around and stuff, but you're not seriously, seriously being led by Holy Spirit. Sons and daughters have to be led by the Holy Spirit because you're not gonna overcome the evil one based on your head knowledge. You're not gonna overcome the evil one based on that you're, you're uh, the person who ministers to you or teaches you or has overcome the evil one. Amen. You cannot move into being a father or mother. Most of the people calling themselves fathers and mothers are sons and daughters talking to children who shouldn't even be getting that kind of teaching yet or being expected to walk in it. Amen. Stop for a minute. Doesn't this reflect our culture? Doesn't it reflect our culture? My gosh, they're trying to teach sex ed to kindergartners so what oh so what is that happening in the church they're trying to teach intimacy which is perverted when you teach it to people who haven't even overcome the evil one this is everywhere in the church we're recording this now right yeah because this needs to go on the radio I've had people who were so immature in the Lord come and tell me about encounters that weren't from God and they couldn't tell the difference and they're demonized. Amen? Can I just tell you, this stuff gets really deep. And it's awesome. Know where you are. How do you, you haven't overcome if somebody else prayed for you and you were healed, okay? That, you were a child if you got a healing because somebody else laid hands on you and prayed for you, you were not a son and a daughter who overcame. You were a child that at least was obedient to know where to go to get help. Amen? Amen? Don't confuse that. A son and a daughter is somebody who gets in the fight and hears God and walks with God, has their heart changed, and they overcome the evil one. 
We have an entire church mentality because of covering doctrine that says stay a child and stay here and I'll take care of you. And God is shaking that and the people preaching that and the people acting like that are going through some horrific shakings right now. And if it doesn't get them in this birth pain, it's going to get them in the next one. Amen. The Lord told me, the Lord told me about a year ago, you can't fix this for them. They need to grow up. They need to come to church. They need to go to the conferences he sends you to. They need to be in my word. They need to talk with me. They need to deal with their hiding and their running and their issues. They need to deal with their arrogance. They need to deal with the things in their hearts that aren't right. Amen? So now, now if you're a child, don't worry about it. Just have fun. How will you know when you're not a child anymore? The devil's going to hit you, and you're going to have to grow up and win. Amen? And when that hits you, my encouragement is grow up and win. But don't try. Don't try to go from being a child and think you're a son and daughter or a father. Because you are a territory for the devil to totally destroy you. You did not overcome to be a son and a daughter that can then advance into being a father or if you want to say a, a really leading and helping disciple others until you overcome the evil one. And it's not a five-second thing. Don't get that confused. Don't get that confused that you came as an infant or a child and God used somebody else which is good. Isn't he faithful? Isn't that awesome? Isn't it a good, good father that would have real fathers and real mothers in the things of God who can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed? What does it say? In the, I'm just going to, I'm just letting it roll. Amen. There's only one place in the new covenant that talks about sick believers. There's not a single scripture that you go and stand in a long prayer line and get healing. Am I saying the Holy Spirit can't have you do that? No, he can have you do that because he will know you're, you're either a child or an infant. Amen? He'll, he'll know that. And an infant is just like an unbeliever. So an infant's going to have to go to a prayer line somewhere that's really for unbelievers. Amen? God heals unbelievers, especially when they go to an evangelical place like a tent meeting or something, to confirm his word that he's true. Amen? But when you're a believer, really connected to church ministry, really part of the body, really growing, then he says in the book of James, if you're sick, go to the elders. The problem is we don't have many elders. So if you're going to the sons and the daughters, you're not going to an elder. The biggest problem in the body of Christ today, we have almost no real fathers and mothers and elders. Amen? Because everybody gives themselves titles and calls themselves somebody they're not before they get there, and they don't know how to help you. A real elder has to be able, according to that scripture, to see where you're messed up and where you're in sin and help you to repent and help you to turn around and help you to change. And then not your prayer, because you're not there yet. Their prayer of faith will heal you. Do you know why I can get that kind of prayer of faith when I know you and I'm dealing with you and I'm helping you see things and you really repent? 
because I'm dealing with you. I see why the devil's doing what he's doing. I'm seeing where you're missing it. And then when you repent, I know I can have the faith, how? To see you healed. That's Bible. There's no scripture, none, about people sick and contagious coming in to gatherings of the believers. Why would he say, if you're sick, if any among you are sick, go to the elders? Why did Jesus heal the leopard and then say, now first go to the priest and make sure they know you're healed and then rejoin? I'm over it, people. I'm over people preaching whatever they want to preach, even if they're anointed in other areas, without being biblical, how does God do this? Because God doesn't want... Now, if you're an infant, yeah. Infants, y'all don't know anything. You're just a lot. You, you don't know anything. You got to be carried. You got to be cuddled. You don't know. Don't act like you're not an infant when you're an infant because you'll get a religious spirit so quick. Don't act like you're not a child when you're a child or you'll get a religious spirit so quick. And I'll tell you what, this religious hyper-spiritual thing is all over the body of Christ. And a lot of people are not going to be able to walk out what they need to walk out right now because they think they've already visited heaven. They think they're intimate with the Lord. They think, and yet they don't even stop fornicating. Amen? I'm going to tell you the way you're going to be prepared to first come out of this powerful um, birth labor pain and take whatever season he gives us to mature is because you're going to start knowing where you really are and not trying to be where you're not and asking God to take you through that season that you're in. Amen? And we've got so much to do. We've got to deliver so much of the church from religious hyper-spirituality because they went to a meeting, heard some teaching, but they didn't have a real uh, pastor involved in their life. They didn't have real people in the fivefold ministry, if you can't find apostles much anyway, but involved in their life to know this isn't right. Something about discernment shows me this isn't right. Now let's talk about your life. Let's talk about your situation. And discernment is so pitiful that I can go to church services where there are some pretty mature people and they don't pick it up at all because they've hardened their heart towards real discernment. Do you understand what discernment is? Discernment is the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, this is God, this is not. Not to judge it, but to pray, to intercede, and to not be a part of it. You cannot, I cannot come in here and do a corporate teaching and get into deep meat without doing it with so much wisdom from the Holy Spirit that some of you don't get messed up. Amen? That's why when you read the scriptures, you can read them when you're just starting out as an infant and start to get, you know, you know, kind of encouraged and start to grow some and pretty soon not needing diapers and bottles and being carried. But then, man, when children get in there, come on, how many have seen their kids? Your kids already think they're smarter than you. You even got people saying to four-year-olds, you're already smarter than me. Don't say that to a four-year-old. Amen? 
There is nothing about this young, get saved, and boy, you're there. Nothing. The Bible actually very clearly teaches the opposite. We don't let people enjoy where they are in America because we are such a competitive nation, and we are a nation that pokes pushes our young people to a place of perfection. And truthfully, it's because most people don't want a parent. They want their kids grown up and out of their way. And that's why we are in such a mess. For all of you who have young children or you're going to have young children, you need to enjoy that season. Amen? You need to totally embrace and enjoy that season. If you waited till you were 40 to start that season, well, that was your choice. Don't take that out on your kids. Amen? You enjoy that season. You jumped ahead for a while career-wise, praise God. But you take that season as a parent, and you parent. I'm not telling you to keep your jobs. I'm not I'm, you have to hear God for that. I'm telling you, that kid, those babies, those young toddlers, those preschoolers, those kids in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, all the way up, they are the priority of God in your life above ministry. You can minister while you do it, but he's got to be the one in charge of how that all works. Amen? And your marriage is always a priority over your parenting unless you married someone you shouldn't have married who is a mess who needs to be away from the kids, and then you better seek God and find out how to get them away from the kids. Amen? And then you've already been so messed up in all this anyway. Lord, help us get back into his way of doing things. Amen. God is going with these birth pains. I'm telling you something. God is going to begin to restore the church to his godly order, not legalistically. And at the same time, you're going to watch that begin to happen in our culture. You want to know what the church looks like? Look at our culture. Quit being the victim. I don't care what your skin color is. You're, you're taking on the role of a victim has caused the kind of crazy violence in our nation. It has caused the unclean stuff. It's not the only cause, but it's a big cause. Amen? It's where you see, and when you see anywhere right here, well, in this community, we have this. Well, that community needs to look at what is it that we did outside of God's word as the church that's causing this. Amen? Because only the church can change it. Amen? See, y'all know I'm not a pastor now, right? No. Oh, I'll have Karen come up and hug you in a minute. Now, I, I care about people more than I ever did before. Amen? I just realized, you need to train up your kids. Your kids should not be climbing all over the the tables when you're at restaurants eating and, and throwing. It's not okay for your kids to bother everybody else in the place. T teach your kids. No, no, let me teach you. Let me teach you. Be considerate of other people. The whole world does not revolve around that you now decided to have kids. It's time we go to, back to some really old-fashioned common sense. Just because... They're the, they shouldn't be the center of your life. God should be. And then his word. And he never, ever puts your children in a position where they can bother everybody else and it's okay. He says, if you don't discipline them, you don't love them. He says it. He actually says you hate them. 
And I'll be honest, you probably shouldn't take them out around a lot of other people in the sense, and, and family and all is fine, but until you know they're able to be disciplined. See, this is where God tells the older women to teach the young women. Does the church do this? Not much. We purposely have our gated community where the moms get to have their babies gated into a section. And we did that not as much for them as we did for everybody else because it had gotten wild. It had gotten where people would sit right in the front with a baby screaming and hollering and running around and somebody else's kid climbing over things and this and that. We have a nursery. We have children's church, whatever. And everybody, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you, your darling dumplings are great. But they're not the center of the universe and they're not the center of church. God is. Amen? And then you try to solve the problems and you try to make ways. It is time for true discipleship to come to the church because our nation completely lacks it. And because of it, they're masking our children. Because of it, they're making your children stay apart. They're not letting them talk. God has allowed a spirit of tyrancy to come in because the parents would not take serious parenting. Quit blaming anybody else if your children have a drug problem. Go to God and find out why this happened and deal with it. Amen? Now y'all know I'm not a pastor, right? Is everybody cool? Amen? God hasn't changed that you can have this free-for-all wild stuff happening. He says very clearly, if you do not discipline your children, you don't love them. He says very clearly that he has to be before every other relationship in your life. He says it really clearly. How many think God knows what he's talking about? How many think God knows he wants that child to be raised in such a way that they know they're unconditionally loved? Amen? And, and I want children to come to church. That's why we have our gated community. That's why we have nursery. I'm not trying to say we don't want. There's going to be your normal stuff. All of us moms who, who've gone through it, we kind of smile at it. You know what I mean? You can sit there and watch. You have a hard time with your kids crawling all over the table and all this stuff. We're not angry about it. We're kind of smiling about it because they're not ours. Amen? And, and we've, we've been there, done that. We just want you to be there and do it and get wisdom from God and how to do it because you're actually called to raise them to know how to be obedient to God. And to make God in their eyes who he is, not some tyrant who's going to punish them and beat them and never show mercy, but also not some liberal kind of God who anything goes and it's fine and just you know have the be the have the freedom to 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 do what you want and you be free and don't care about anybody else and yet then twist it and make it look like you care amen you know what nothing's going to change in this nation until the church hears what God wants her to hear in this hour not legalistically but led by the spirit amen 
and begins to see that. That doesn't mean it looks the same on each person. I'm not saying homeschool unless God calls you to homeschool. My husband told me you can do anything you want, but you're not homeschooling our kids. I'm like, honey. He goes, no, I want them to know more than Bible, and I want them to know more than recess and shopping skills and, um, and just having a good time at the beach. Honey, you don't trust me with math and science. And I don't blame him, amen. But he was also willing to set aside the money and work really hard for them to go to Christian school. Amen. So you need to pray. And you need to get rid of any thought that they are a burden. And you need to embrace the season you're in. Here's... here's here is the problem in the church. People come to these conferences, different conferences, and they can run anywhere they want and go anywhere they want and do whatever they want and think there's something they're not yet and get so offended if somebody even tries to tell. I mean, some of you guys, I have to go through the back door to even try to help you see where you're messed up. Amen? How many know I'm pretty good at getting in the back door? I think I'm getting in the back door this morning. Amen? You want to become one of the people where you're so teachable and correctable and able to handle a true godly rebuke like Peter was when Jesus gave it to him? That people can go right into the front door and say, you need to deal with this. And instead of running and crying and hiding and isolating and calling 10 people and getting everybody mad and whatever, we don't really have that much around here anymore, amen? You just sit there and say, Lord, show me why they're saying this to me and show me anything in my heart that needs to be dealt with. Amen? Because we're not doing that in the church. And let me just say this to those who are going to hear this online, which will be more than here, and those who are going to hear it on the radio, which will be even more than that. Literally thousands are going to hear this. We're in eight different cities, I think, on the radio. Literally thousands are going to hear this. We have over 8,000 who watch us on the um, internet when we boost all these. Amen? And every nation has different cultures, but God doesn't have a different culture for each nation. Amen? You need the Holy Spirit to heal you of where you were wounded as a child. You need the Holy Spirit to heal you where you don't understand unconditional fatherly love that also disciplines you. You need Holy Spirit to heal you if you did not have a, have a mother who could flow like the Holy Spirit and comfort you but teach you and help you to know how to grow and mature as a human being but especially also in the things of God. And churches, you need to repent if you don't have a Holy Spirit, I don't like the word balance, it's not in scripture, a Holy Spirit grounded in love kind of teaching in your church. If you only have pastors in a church, that church is messed up. You have a bunch of victims sitting out there whining and crying and never growing up and probably voting for the wrong people. Can I get an amen? If you only have um, evangelist at your church, then you might have a big church, but you have a really big immature church. And I would take, 
a powerful small church of people maturing in the things of God, praying for me over a big church full of babies. And God is going to stop this individualized church thing and begin to bring the four ministries that are already operated in the body of Christ, which is pastor, teacher, um, evangel no, pastor, evangelist, teacher, and prophet. And he's going to begin to watch the churches who will honor that and see that and see that operating and be hungry for that. And he'll begin to restore, bring forth the power of the apostles. Amen. I'm telling you what he said. I didn't pre-plan this message. Everything God does in creation and in how he made us and what he does is a reflection of something of the kingdom. Amen? And what we're looking at right now with tyranny trying to take over the entire world is because it's in the church. There's control spirits. There's the doctrine of covering. There are people who are not even concerned or thinking they're supposed to connect the people God brings into the church to the headship of Jesus Christ. I can't do what I didn't die or pay the price to do. Amen? No one can. Do you want them to? Do you know God calls that prostitution and idolatry? When you read the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and almost all the prophets, they're always talking about a people who are adulterous. He's not literally talking about they're all out committing adultery. He's talking about they're all doing anything but submitting to him as God. Amen? And you need to wake up and say, do I have a real relationship with God? Do I? And I'm not talking about you're an infant or you're a child and you're in your head thinking you do. I'm talking about you have died to the flesh. Do not even pretend that if you are out there in sin that you have a deep relationship with God. Can I get an amen? He's a holy God. He's a holy God. I mean, he's a holy God. He's not a religious God. He is a righteous God. But our righteousness are filthy rags. He's an awesome God. He's holy, and it's up to him to crucify us, amen? It's up to him. He knows. He know, I don't necessarily know. Sometimes I kind of think I know. I don't know if you're, I, I'm going to tell you, most of you don't know. You don't know if you're an infant. You don't know if you're a child. You don't know if you're a son or a daughter, and you don't know if you're a mother. Everybody jumps right from infant and father. Well, let me tell you this. If we had as many fathers in the church as people say we have in the church, then why aren't the elders able to pray for them, show them their sins, and they all be healed? That's the biblical real way in New Covenant that healing comes to believers. Can I get an amen? All right, let's look at it. So where's that in the Bible? You only ask that because you're so mature, you don't even have a clue it's in the Bible. Someone show me. Does you keep hearing people say all this? Somebody show me preaching to the body of Christ in the church, in the new covenant, 
Now, the gospel is not the new covenant. Do you understand that? The new covenant did not come until Jesus rose from the dead. The new covenant is not in your life until the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Do you get that? You are not in the new covenant until the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He is, he is the mark. He is the, if you want to say, the down payment of you being in the new covenant. Does everybody get that? So if you're listening to teaching from people who aren't born again, that's not new covenant teaching. It may be legalism from the new covenant, but it's not real teaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So the minute you get born again is the minute you're an infant. Amen. For me personally, I was in a church that didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was as a kid. I got born again and became an infant when I was about seven years old watching Christian, children's Christian TV by somebody who fell into major sin later on in life but then repented, the bakers. Um, they used to have the Jim and Tammy show or something with the kids. They had little puppets and all that. I got saved watching that. I had no real teaching, and yet I changed. It kept me, even as an infant, from going into really horrible sin. I think I could have been a partying, wild person. But I wasn't. Thank God. I never smoked a cigarette. Thank God. Never drank a drop of alcohol until I was of the age to drink. It made me throw up and thought, this ain't fun. Never even caught on why anybody likes that stuff. And it wasn't because, it wasn't because I was even a child in the kingdom yet. It wasn't because I was a son and daughter. It was because I was an infant and Holy Spirit was in there and he kept me just like you keep an infant. And he kept me for years. Church never taught me anything where I went. Nothing. They didn't even open their Bibles. It's an infant in an infant church led by infants, if they're born again, that don't even open their Bibles. But I was still his. If I had died any time during that time, I would have gone to heaven. How cool is God? To him's given much, much is required. To him who hasn't. But when God decided she's got to get beyond infancy, for me, that didn't even happen until I got pregnant with Lauren. So I was like 26, something like that. So I got saved at seven and stayed an infant till 26. That's a long time of being an infant. That's a long time that I wasted so much time because I wasn't hungry for God. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What an So don't be so down on your kids if they stay infants for a long time. Don't be excited by it, but they're not going to hell because they're infants for a long time. Just pray. Begin to pray. Lord, bring them out of infancy into the childhood. It's hilarious. As soon as we hit childhood, we all think we've arrived. How many have ever watched children play? They really think they're teachers. They really think they're the doctors. They really think they're driving their little whatever Barbie cars around. Now, people, 
Let your kids pedal while they're little. My guess is, like, they get enough exercise, right? Nowadays, you plop them on a, my neighbor's kids all got these three-wheelers that we get to hear run around and around and around and around. They don't go more than an hour or two, probably because gas has gotten so high. But it's like, you know, the whole neighborhood's, but I'm like, I've learned, just close the windows and turn up the music, amen, whatever. But it's like, why don't they go out and run around? It's like, now you get them a little car to ride, when they, they don't know how to ride a bike or a tricycle. It doesn't make you smarter to give a kid a toy that doesn't require exercise. If you don't believe me, look at the obesity numbers in the United States of America. Amen? When they're littles, when you can really keep them pretty active because it's kind of natural for them to want to be that way. Boy, this is a parenting lesson today. Amen? But it's parenting in more areas than one, right? So, so I was personally an infant for, from seven, so 19 years. I was an infant for about 19 years. And, and even as an infant, I would think I knew things that God was telling me. Like I, I knew when my grandmother died, but then I had to repent because at one point in all that, I thought um, ESP was real. And so I was kind of interested in the spiritual stuff. And I, I played a Ouija board once in that. And later on, I, realized I had to pray and renounce all that and break the power of all that. Because even though I was an infant, I sinned against God. And there was idolatry going on, amen. But I was an infant and I didn't know it. And I had no fathers and mothers around me in the things of God. You can't claim that if you go here. But there's not too many infants that go here. Because infants like to stay infants. Because you can stay an infant and feel okay about you're going to go to heaven and then go live just like the world. But God is calling a time he's not going to allow that. It's called being lukewarm. To stay an infant for 20 years I was lukewarm. I didn't know it. And I remember when I was angry at the church, the kind of church I went to, the Lord said, I've always been here. My word's already been there. You can't blame them that you chose not to get hungry. By the time you were 12, you could have been hungry. By the time you were 18, you could have been hungry. There was a short season I went to a church that was a born-again church that gave more scripture and stuff, and I was a little hungry then, but I didn't hang on to that. Amen? So quit being the victim and realize I didn't hunger and I didn't thirst for righteousness. I, and I also easily fell into thinking I was okay with God and really believing and could get easily into counterfeit and not know it. And that's an issue for infants who will not have people come around them who are seriously mothers and fathers in the Lord, even sons and daughters. Amen? You don't want children, just so you know, you don't want children ministering to infants. Right? Like, like let's say children. Something's wrong with you if you leave a seven-year-old to watch your infant at home. Okay, I want you to understand how practical God is. He actually makes human life very prophetic for the things about spiritual life. Right? So, so he's not, I know people do this and the, and the social services get their kids and they go to jail and stuff. But truthfully, 
these things need to happen. But we need to have a more compassionate system that will take the tons of money that we're spending on completely stupid stuff. I would behave right now. Stay away from politics for five seconds. Ah, anyhow, there's wasting trillions of dollars purposely. And if you're going to take my taxpayer money, which I don't think you have the right to take anyway as much as you take and use, at least do something so there are qualified, great daycares of people who know God where it's clean and wonderful for people who have to go work because the taxes are so high. There are so many things we could have done with the trillions of dollars we just gave away to people who get too much of our money because the church is so sick and anemic and not really walking in divine health or the power of God. And so it reflects in our culture that every single thing is running to this drug or that drug or this health than that because the truth of divine health in the body of Christ is at an all-time low. The Holy Spirit immunity of the oil is at an all-time low. Amen? Amen? Do y'all understand? You think everything's prophetic. I actually do. I don't think anything can just happen outside of what God's revealing. How could anything happen outside of what God's revealing? Nothing can happen outside of what God's revealing. Why? Because he created it all. He spoke it all into being. Amen? So it's either doing his way or the enemy's gotten in, which is prophetic, right? You know what? The church, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell every pastor and leader who's listening, I don't care what country you're in, you had better take a year to get back in the word and quit teaching infants and children about deep things of God and begin to teach them what the word says. Older women who are doing it God's way teach the younger women to love their husbands and to take care of their children. Amen? Let's get back to what the Word says and how to do this, even as we're still feeding and maturing people. Everybody's not infants, thank God. But that doesn't mean you avoid, if you avoid, mm, if you don't have a good infant Day, uh, care in your church and if you don't have good children's ministry in your church and you just put them aside like a burden you are totally letting them stay infants when the infants should be able to grow into childhood and even learn that in the nursery even as the children in the children's church should begin to be uh, matured so they can become sons and daughters and by the time they're junior high they actually probably don't need their own program they probably should be able to come into a service that's really pouring into sons and daughters to overcome, and they begin to be overcomers. And because we've ignored that, look what's happening. The 
Even Christian kids don't know if they're boys or if they're girls. Even Christian kids are falling into perversion and sexual sin at really early ages because the church is missing it. We need to really, who, who, Nicole, whoever's in charge, Sarah, she's not in here right now, they need to really begin to intercede and pray. We want the exact nursery and children program that God has. And I'll tell you what, people say, well, I'm not going there because you have nothing for the teens. It's about time your teen became a son and a daughter of God and not stay like a child who has to go to movies and field trips and concerts and, and then go off into the world as a child and not know how to handle college or the world. And moms and dads, it's not the job of the church, but if the church is going to have something inside their buildings, they should have something that is Holy Spirit-led and glorify God's. And I think for the most part we do. Amen? But if as we're growing as a church, these areas have got to grow in this church. Amen? Amen? And... and We've got to get rid of religion and legalism, which I really don't think we have any here anymore. But some of you need to get out of your own hearts. And God's been doing that in a lot of you. You trying to take the place of the Holy Spirit in the life of a teenager doesn't work. It either causes extreme insecurity and anger towards you or complete rebellion. You want your teenagers to be connected in a big way to the headship of Jesus Christ. And if they're not in their prodigals, they know they're prodigals. It's not because you didn't train them up in the ways of God. Amen? And if they choose to stay infants, but they heard of the thing, then just keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Let me say this. Quit pretending it's okay if your children have known God for 30 years and they're an infant. Amen? Begin to pray. Quit protecting them and not causing them to need the Holy Spirit to take care of them. Quit making it okay if they don't believe in tithing. But it's because they have a heart to be part of what God is doing in his kingdom. Amen? Truthfully, if we really look at the culture in the church, we actually can see where the real problems are in our nation. Amen? And there's a lot of good stuff, amen? But the church is really small, so it's really nothing like what it needs to be. How many wants to really watch a big, powerful, no kidding revival come to America? Not producing a truckload of infants that 10 years from now will look the same, amen? But producing infants who will quickly go into childhood, who will go through childhood and quickly go into sons and daughters and not stay sons and daughters forever, but will overcome the evil one, really know how to use the weapons of warfare. You really know how to connect to the headship of Jesus Christ and become fathers, elders, not just with a title. Amen. Wouldn't you like to go into an elder who's going to pray for you and they really show you? And if you, now if you don't repent and go along with what they're showing you, they can't make you get well. That's why sneaking through the back door doesn't work if somebody doesn't want to turn around and hear what God is giving to true elders. We need more elders in here. See, God's been doing all this to raise up elders in here so he can bring what? So he can bring infants, children, and sons and daughters. And a lot of you have grown into those 
to that calling. Praise God. But we're going to have to start doing something about that. Friday nights and the early morning, 9 to 10, when we're really going there. Amen? How many, how many see this? How many see that God this morning is beginning to set a lot of things in order for what we're to do? We're going to keep praying through this birth pain until the elections. Amen? But when we have those elections, we're going to continue to pray, but we are going to train and equip like we've never trained and equipped before. This church, and hopefully the pastors who, who have something to do with our church and other nations who, who we now, you know, who talk, we stay in contact with, praise God, and all that kind of thing, and hopefully others will recognize. We've got to recognize the season we're in and how many want to take really strong advantage of the seat in between these labor pains and train and equip. Amen? Even during them. During them, we're almost doing so much fighting from what we, for those who were trained and equipped to get to the next place. And those of you who haven't been part of that, it's because you're a child. I'll just be honest. You're a child or an infant. You, you couldn't be part of it if you wanted to yet. But I encourage you to recognize, I don't want to be a child and an infant forever. Enjoy your childhood but if your childhood's gone more than five or six or, you know, the natural, what's a childhood? Like I'd say 11 years is really childhood. We're, we're the only culture who let our 30-year-olds still be like children. We're one of the only cultures that your 30-year-olds are still living in your homes and you're still paying their bills and you're still putting food on the table and you've made a bunch of babies and you've really helped steal their lives from them. They're not married. They're not seriously dating. They don't have a job. They don't have a career. They're not working towards anything because you allowed them to stay child children. Worse if you allowed them to stay infants. Does anybody get this? Can you see our culture? As I'm telling you what the church has done, what Christians have done, raising their own kids, can you not see our culture? Why do you think God says, if my people called by my name, that's Christians, would humble themselves, which is this kind of preaching helps to do. What does humble mean? Show me me. Show me where I miss it. Show me why my son is like this. Show me why my daughter is like this. Show me why my marriage is like this. Show me God. Show me. Help me to see so I can change things. Quit blaming somebody else. Well... My ancestors were slaves. Well, your God is God. Well, you don't know how hard it was. I don't have to know how hard it was. I know who God is. Well, you don't know. My parents were drug addicts. Well, I know your father in heaven, and he is powerful, and he doesn't use drugs. What's the scripture for that? You are supposed to be a new creation in Christ Jesus and old things have passed away. Okay? What is he saying? Everything the devil did, everything that the enemy did and poured into your life, every messed up thing generation, generation back is over now because you are now born again by the Spirit of God. And I am not going to have any sympathy or pity for people who don't want to hear that. 
but for people who want to get free from all that bondage, from living under that kind of garbage, I'm right here to cast demons out and heal the brokenhearted places and set you as free as you can be to enter into who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? But I do not have, I, I'll, I'll have some mercy. Amen? I don't have as much mercy as pastors usually have. So go call Karen. Amen? But it's time. I think the time, I think we've all had baby church long enough. Amen. And, and I believe this place is going to get full because I think there's going to be a lot of people. You're not going to come in here and change what God wants to do here. Amen. But I think there's going to be more people with ears to hear what God wants to do here. Amen. Here and more, he told me the day he goes, don't limit me by making this stay in a small building. I don't like building projects they're so detailed and boring anyhow all right where were we at in james and then we're gonna james five right all right i'm gonna go at the beginning but i'm not gonna preach every bit of it i know i have this preached over and over and over but i love to study the word where you start and read the whole thing so you understand what the letter was saying i will say this because i know this will be on radio this could make some people mad i i really think the people who are coming against the passion translation and wanting that not to be allowed on Bible, um, I think those people need to repent. Who are you to decide and cancel for those of us who listen to seven or eight translations, who know how to study to be approved, and who do not want to have to carry that thing around ourselves and have to look it up when I can go overseas and have Holy Spirit show me? And I'm going to tell you what, the Passion Translation, it's no more paraphrasing than the amplified is no more paraphrasing than NIV which takes out almost anything that has to do with the supernatural power of God and I'm going to say this grow up grow up the man has character the man has fruit of the Holy Spirit the man loves God he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar and he humbled himself enough to fall in love with Jesus to be able to even interpret what he's done I don't 100% agree with everything I don't 100% agree with everything on any of them but I have the Holy Spirit who can show me what to use and when to use it. And this legalism and cancel culture in the church is what's going to be used to cancel churches and to cancel the things you're fighting for. Wake up. If you don't want to go look at that particular version, then don't. I don't use the NIV, but I don't come against you for using it. And Karen, do put this on the radio. Who are you to cancel what God's called somebody else to do and God's anointed and not think there's going to be some consequences for that? Don't be excited that Whoopi had to shut up for two weeks. You cannot want the cancel culture and lose your freedoms. This isn't, we can't play in the devil's playground, people. We can't play in the devil's playground. We have to wait till there's hearts who don't want to listen to all that mess. You don't want the government or other people deciding those things. Can I get an amen? You cannot expect to have victory to not shut up the church if you're okay if they shut up somebody you don't agree with. That's not freedom of speech. I'm very cool with them shutting up people cursing. I'm very, and speaking pornography and garbage. I just think there needs to come a standard that what gets to be put out there, and that's totally been wiped away. I don't think we should have freedom to speak garbage. 
but I think people should be able to have their opinions whether I agree with them or not. And then I can choose not to buy what those commercials are advertising or watch that. And then I can vote freely. Amen? Do you understand if we try to make people Christian, we're doing nothing different than the Catholics did with the covering doctrine that destroyed the power in the church and basically said, Jesus, stay on the cross. Don't come off. Don't raise from the dead. And don't send your Holy Spirit into anybody. Can I get an amen? She is preaching this morning. Y'all can say what you want. James 5.1. Come now, rich ones, weep. I'm using the literal translation, which is as close to the, um, this is Greek because it's New Testament, as close to the Greek as possible. Amen. Come now, rich ones, weep, howling over your hardships coming on. Your riches have rotted. Your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold or silver have rusted over. Their poison will be a testimony to you and, and will eat your flesh as fire. You heap treasures in the last day. Guess what? This is a last day teaching. So God is basically saying here, you better quit depending on your gold. You better quit depending on your silver. You better quit depending on that you can save up enough. Rich people, quit thinking you can save up enough that none of this is going to harm you. Because if you don't get right with God, there is nothing that's going to protect you from what's going to be poured out in the last days. Can I get an amen? Behold, the wages of the workmen who have reaped your fields cry out, being kept back by you. And the cries of the ones who have reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of hosts. I want you to hear this. God is saying in the last days, these people who make tons and tons of money while you work like you're a slave and they live high on the hog, the Lord of hosts. I want you to get this. When you hear that the Lord of hosts, when he calls himself the Lord of hosts, which is really used a lot in the last days teaching, what's he saying? I'm in charge of the army that's going to destroy this. What's he saying? I know. He's saying, don't go after a liberal agenda that takes away your freedom to preach the gospel. Don't go after a liberal agenda that says it's okay to not know if God knows how to make us male and female. He's saying, don't go after a liberal agenda that you murder your babies and give them to bail in the fire and even think it's okay if, you're, if you conceive them and then kill them. He said, quit going that way. I hear your cries. Call on the Lord of hosts to do something. Amen? So let's do it. Heavenly Father, we call on the Lord of hosts. Jesus, you are the Lord. That means you are the master of the army of angels. And we call on you, God. We call on you, God, to work in these areas of inflation that's hitting our nation, to work on these areas of taking away from those who barely get by, God. We ask you, Father God, to move into this situation, and we give you praise for hearing our cries. Forgive us, God. Forgive anyone, anyone in your church, anyone, Lord God, who have voted in a way that's an abomination to you of the murdering of babies in exchange for what's being pray, called higher wages. Father, forgive us for bowing our knee to the enemy to try to take care of ourselves when your word right here tells us in the days we're living in, we are to cry out to you and you hear our cries. Forgive us, God. Open the eyes of your church. Lord, open the eyes of those in your church who would bow to Baal and murder babies so they can have food on their table. But God, forgive people. And that doesn't work. 
But that's the political way they're being told. But God forgive those who don't have compassion for those who cannot put food on the table. God forgive those who judge those who have no way educationally or whatever, maybe even gifts and skills, Lord God, to be able to provide for their children while they watch others, Lord God, waste things and do this and do that. God, we cry on the Lord of hosts. Hear our cries. And Lord, let us as a church do this your way and not within the political systems that have set up to divide and conquer and destroy this nation. And we come before you, Lord, and we lift this before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you know I've never seen that before? Has anybody ever seen that before like that? I've never seen that before like that. See, this is how you fight. This is how you're led by the Spirit. You do what he shows you, and you die to thinking, well, if they just work harder, well, if they just get more education, well, if they just, who are you to judge what they can and can't do? He doesn't tell you to judge them. He says to ask the Lord of hosts to move in a powerful way with angelic beings. How? To stop, to stop the rich, rich people from depending on what they can save up, depending on their silver and their gold as they sit there and steal from the people who are doing the work. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason the middle class is looking at that in the U.S. of A. right now, which has happened in Venezuela and wants to happen here, is because the church is not seeing this word of God. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent either way. You need to repent if you think it's okay to go along. If you've ever, ever, ever went along with the murder of babies, with a political agenda that would stop uh, the gospel from being preached, if you ever went along with that victim mentality and thinking your help was going to come from there, you need to repent. But you need to repent if you ever thought the capitalist system is so perfect and it's okay with God that rich people get super rich, like the pharmaceutical people right now, at the expense of other people. That's not in the kingdom. That's not in the kingdom. Do you understand that communism is a counterfeit lie that tries to promise you, led by Satan, that he's going to bring that kind of justice? How many know he's a liar? Amen? How many see people bowing their knee and young people bowing their knee and people believing for that and fighting for that and recognizing what it's doing to our nation? Does anybody get what God's doing this morning? God is tearing down strongholds that has our nation in the mess that it's in while church keeps playing patty cake, patty cake. Let's read the same scripture in our same humanistic understanding and not get into God's word. I wasn't going to preach this, but how many know God's preaching this? Amen? It's right there. It's right there. When you see the rich getting rich and the other people getting wages that doesn't even begin to meet their needs, God says, he doesn't say vote Democrat. He doesn't say vote Republican. You need to vote for the person and the platform that is the most in favor of God's ways. And I'll be really straight right now. I don't care what anybody says. People murdering babies is feeding bail and causing violence. It is totally the number one thing. Do not murder is one of the Ten Commandments. Amen? You don't be in agreement with murder if there's any other option ever. Amen? You also never, ever come against the freedom of speech to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You also never, ever come in agreement 
that what God says will take someone to hell if they don't get healed and delivered from a sexual perversion. And they're going to go to hell if they don't get deliverance. And you don't vote for anyone who would let that person go to hell and tell you to shut up and not help them. It's not hard to see. But you need to recognize the same Lord of hosts that is going against those who are using people and hurting people and enslaving people while they're rich and not even given a heck about what happens. He's going to go after them, whether they're independent, Republican, or Democrat, if they're in that boat. Amen? And he tells us to pray to the Lord of hosts. How many know we've been praying to the Lord of hosts in the last two years like we've never prayed before? How many know this morning God is giving us more revelation directly from him? I never saw this before like this. Amen? So you can have a prayer meeting right in the middle of preaching. Isn't that good? And you need to go spend some time getting it out of your heart if you're 100% of it's okay for somebody to not pay somebody what they need to live. And God has used this, even though inflation has gone up really crazy, which is horrible. But at the same time, wages have gone up. And when inflation comes down, the wages are going to stay up. Quit thinking God is a Republican. Quit thinking he's a Democrat. And he is <laughs> very independent. But he doesn't like independence in people. He likes humility in people. To be humble. Let me see. Humble isn't like a poor me, little pity party bunch of mess. Moses was humble, but Moses was bold. Jesus was meek. But he could say, get thee behind me, Satan, in five seconds to one of his best friends and somebody who knew it was going to be powerful. What is humble? Humble is complete dependence on God. What is pride? Complete independence from God. And when you legalistically preach this word, you are prideful. I'll be honest, when you legalistically say somebody shouldn't have that translation and Holy Spirit's behind that translation, the person has the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the person has the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they have a wonderful family, they, they know more Greek and Hebrew than you could ever guess, and yet you, that's pride, people. I'm going to tell you the biggest thing missing in the body of Christ is people being led by the Spirit of God because of covering doctrine. Just straight out. What is your life if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit? And it's going to line up with his word, and it's going to line up with fruit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience. It's going to give rid of fear. It's going to give you a sound mind. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be truthfully relationship with God that's beyond anything, which would, help, would, would not make it hard to let them stone you to death as you see Jesus stand up at the throne of God in his presence and his glory come. There's nothing like the glory of God. And everybody's made, oh, we saw the glory cloud. I don't think anybody's seen the glory cloud yet. My gosh, if you ever see the glory, the true glory of God, we will not be standing up. How do you know? Because in the very throne room of God, people are in, in brand new bodies, glorified, powerful bodies. They can't stand up in the glory of God. But we're supposed to. We're supposed to have a greater glory than Moses had. That's another whole teaching out there somewhere. 
How many want that? I am no longer going to be okay with people saying stuff to promote their own ministries, saying stuff to think they have more than they have in God. I want so much more than we have in God. I'm not going to pretend that we're there. I'm not going to pretend this is even close to what he's going to bring. Amen? See, where you park and settle, you're going to stay in that garage. I'm not going in a garage. I'm going to just keep driving higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And in that process, he is going to become everything, which will make me humble and humble and humble. You cannot do this without him. You can't. Americans, you cannot even raise your families without him. You can't even make a good decision without him. The good thing is you can ask him for wisdom. And he promises to give it to you. That means you don't have a single decision that he expects you to make without him. When you get all confused, I don't know what to do. Well, he tells you, ask. But when you ask, believe him. And if you ask and he tells you, then do it. And it's going to humble you. Amen? All right. Wow. The cries of the ones who have reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of hosts. You live luxuriously on the earth. You live for self-pleasure. You nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You condemned, you murdered the righteous, and they don't resist you. Therefore, brothers, okay, this is us, be long-suffering until the coming of the Lord. It's amazing how there's this end time. I'm talking end, end time prophecies all throughout the word of God and how he's bringing us to this one today. Amen. So you need to get your heart in agreement with this. You need to get your heart focused on this. <coughs> God wants unity in the body. He doesn't want the black church and the white church. He doesn't want those or a hip, hip, hooray capitalism and there can be no wrong there. And he doesn't want those who are victims and poor them. And it doesn't matter what I have to sell out for as long as somebody takes care of me. Amen? He wants a people who hear him in his word. He's very clear here. He's got angels who are going to take care of those who live luxuriously and don't care how everybody else lives. Which is a lot of our politicians on both sides of the aisle. Amen. It's ridiculous what they're making. It's ridiculous what they get to keep making. It's ridiculous that they steal from the Social Security, which belongs to people who already put it there, so they can keep making what they're making. And they keep giving themselves right. All this, all these things God is shaking. Why? Because we've been releasing the Lord of hosts, not even knowing that it was pertaining to this also. Isn't that cool? How good is God? But, but we have to repent for wanting tyranny. We've got to repent for being okay with communism. We've got to repent for thinking that man can do. Can, I can't tell you what. It will never be perfect on this earth until Jesus sits on the throne. And then he still lets people have free will choice. They can come to Jerusalem, to the temple, and worship him. Or they can stay back. And, and there's consequences in the millennium for that. There are people with perfect, perfect, perfect human uh, well, it's God, but as the son of man leading planet earth, and they're still going to let Satan out to tempt people with the garbage in their hearts so that God can do away with them. 
How amazing is that? What does that show you? You can actually have so much evil in your heart that you don't want Jesus Christ, even when you live in a perfect world. If you want your evil, you get to keep it. Amen? So he's saying here, brothers, he doesn't say sell out. He doesn't say be okay with it. He says, pray and the Lord of hosts is hearing. God's going to do something. He says, brothers, be long-suffering until the coming of the Lord. What does that mean? That means as the days get worse and worse, this is right now for people who are Muslim nations. This is right now for people who are nations that have had poverty and have corruption for years and years, right? Where they've really pers been persecuted. Americans are just now starting to taste this. He's so merciful. He let us go to such high lengths of idolatry before he's moving. Amen? And I'm just going to say, anybody says that none of this is judgment, they're wrong. Everything that's allowed through God's spiritual laws, everything that's allowed through the ways of God includes both mercy and judgment. Are we in the judgment of the book of Revelations? No, not for the most part. We might be starting to touch on it. Amen? How many How many glad God has mercy that is going to help us get to be able to handle that? Amen? Lord, help us. Right now, my gosh. Don't forget grace. The reason, if I am still here at the Mark of the Beast, which is after the Antichrist, you know who he is. He's making you worship him. You cannot buy or sell. I personally believe that half the church will be out of here and the other half will still be here. So whichever half you're in, depends if you get oil or not, according to God's word. Amen? I do believe if you ask for grace, you will be able to walk through whatever you have to walk through. God is not asking us to do this without him. Amen? We need to understand grace instead of legalism. People are preaching this like legalism. He's not about legalism. He's about grace. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? I want you to understand these birth pains that we're in is so that we have to become dependent on God. He allowed the churches to close so that we could become dependent on him. Not so we would stay home and not gather together because the Bible's very clear. In the last days, many are gonna stay home and they're not gonna come together anymore and it's a sin against God. He says so. So for all those who are still home hiding, get your butts in a church that knows God, that preaches the word the best they know how. Well, we don't have one of those around us, so I'm going to just watch on TV. No, you go and be part, and you die to self there, and you do what he wants and see what he wants to show you and teach you. You find one. He doesn't say, well, you don't have to go. You can be part of the not gathering together because there's no churches near you. He can kill you really good in a church, people. Amen. You can get the best test you'll ever get in a church of how to walk in love, how to stay when they're trying to kick you out, how to persevere, how to overcome, how to get above hate, how to get above criticism, how to get above judgment, how not to bow your knee to lies taught from the pulpit. And still love. See, I've been through the process. He really does want us to die to self. And it's a very painful process. And most of the church are children 
who've never begun to go through that process or even allowed that process to happen to become sons and daughters who overcome. And everybody's seeing that now. Everybody's seeing that now. Satan is triggering, he is killing Christians left and right right now with, with, with a sickness that only kills still less than, a, than a, one or two percent, if even that much. And yet, look how many Christians and leaders. Not to mention, something's going on in the spirit realm, amen? There has been the lifting of some divine protection that people have walked in before, and we're not supposed to be excited by that. We're supposed to cry and pray and ask God to show us what? And this morning, he's showing us, and I'm saying this for anybody who hears this, I don't care who wants to play this or not play this. You had better get your heart right about the idea of how God sees finances. Amen? And when he gives you a lot, he expects you to tithe, and he expects you to give. If he gives you the business, if he gives you the position of overseeing a business, I'll just be honest, here, um, Karen and Nicole, they may, we all make the same thing. I, I might make $1,000 more than them. I didn't make anything at first. Karen was the first paid person ever here. Why? Because she needed the money. We didn't do it the, the world's way. Amen? We, didn't do it, we don't do it the world's way now. It's not about that. And if you're a Christian business owner, you better quit doing it the world's way. You better care. See, our nation used to be pretty good. You know, I know there's been always issues of different things, okay? But overall, if there was a business owner, they took care of their employees. You know what's happening right now? Even though we see all this crazies going, look at God. He's so cool. Because now companies are having to do things. Dolly Parton is paying for her college education for all her employees who work there a certain amount of years. I hope she's doing it from the goodness of her heart. But God is causing a people to have to care about the people because now they need them or they won't get their money. But God's doing it, not the government. Amen? But this is a wake-up call to everybody who has a business, everybody who has an employee. You had better start treating them the way God wants them treated, and you had better make sure you're not just using people to live a fancy, luxurious life and thinking that's okay with God. It's not okay with God. I will go further. Watch where you give your money. There are, there are ministries, supposedly, that you give to or nonprofit things, and the people running them are making 90% of what comes in. God's going to, what, what is he doing? Mm, right now, if we went back, where are we at in the Bible? We are where Jesus is coming into the churches and coming into Christian businesses because that's who he really deals with the most. And he's turning over the money to angels. People now on Zoom Wanting 185 bucks for you to get the little code to listen to that. Why should you get $185 because somebody pushes a button on their computer? Because you can't put as many people in there to ask the $200. Because you don't trust that God's going to pay your bills. Or you got yourself into so much high money living come on the church has been living 
like this. Now, I'm not coming against people having, I think certain people, it's okay for them to live in nice houses and neighborhoods where they have some protection for their families, where they're out serving the Lord. I'm not their judge, amen? I'm not their judge. And get this, they could live that high on the hog outside of ministry, okay? If they have that kind of gifts and talents, they can make that kind of money. And then it takes a lot more for them to choose to lay it down before the Lord. Always remember this, that God only is concerned with the heart. Where is the heart in somebody who laughs and goes out on a fancy boat and everything else and doesn't care that people are barely, barely making it that is under their supposed care? Do you understand what I'm saying? God is looking at the heart. I just got to say, just Friday night, um, someone, I won't say who, just because I won't, someone came and gave me um, a book that they really wanted. And th this book costs like in, over 70 bucks. And they said, I really felt like the Lord wanted you to be blessed with this. Well, I forgot I had ordered that book. And um, it made me go on, find my receipt and call them and say, hey, why is other people getting their books? And I ordered two months before they ordered theirs and I haven't got one yet. But I gave it back to them. But then someone else gave me a bag of worm castings, which is like fertilizer. Now, I don't recommend you give your pastor a bag of fertilizer unless you really know they're into gardening. The cool thing was that person had no idea that it was going to be 60 degrees yesterday and it was going to be the day that I was going to start the seedlings for my garden. And so I use, and I'm sitting there going, God, and neither one of these people have a lot of money. And you couldn't have given me anything better than somebody offering this book, which I knew was a sacrifice, and somebody else giving me fertilizer. <laughs> and it's expensive. I'm telling you, some of this fancy kind of fertilizer stuff is expensive. Right the day I'm starting my garden. And I'm thinking, God, you are so awesome. And, and the generosity of people is amazing. Amen? And God, it's about a heart. It's about a heart of somebody who doesn't have much, but they see fertilizer. Sorry about the spit. They see fertilizer and think, oh, Cindy loves her garden. It's almost time. How amazing is that? And somebody else who gets a book that I know they were excited when they ordered it. It was a big sacrifice to get it. And they're thinking, oh, I know she would love this. And they all know I could afford it. Okay, they all know I could afford it. But it doesn't stop them from giving. God is looking at our hearts, people. He's looking at our hearts. And somebody doing those acts of kindness can convict me that I need to be more generous. God knows how to convict the people who are living luxuriously. It's not our job to judge them. He's not asking us to become the judge and the finger pointers. He's asking us to turn it over to him. But to deal with our own heart issues. You don't have to have a heart of living luxurious and lording it over people. If you lived in another nation, that would look different. If you lived in other nations, a middle class person who has a car and a cell phone would look like they were living luxuriously. So truthfully, in America, almost everybody lives somewhat luxuriously, to be quite honest. And whether you know it or not, that's what the globalists are after. The globalists want to get rid of the middle class 
that has cell phones and their own cars and can go to restaurants and maybe put their kids in a private school. They, they don't care. They want everybody to have nothing. So, so quit thinking that system is going to help anybody. That system is going to have an elitist and a peasant's. And true capitalism, with Christians working it, can have people who can truly work their way up, get an education. They can also have people who recognize this is an important thing. Right now, people who are cleaning houses can make a lot of money because there's a demand if you're like, like my house in Naxit, which is all cool. Amen? Because God doesn't look at like, that's not worth this, but this is. He's not looking at things like that. He looks at this person is doing all that they can do, and he gives them grace to do it, and they enjoy doing it. We've got to get out of the enemy system of judging and comparing ourselves and enjoy what we can do. If you don't have, if you seriously don't have the gifting and brains to do certain things, don't be upset that somebody else does. Just see what you have and do what is unto the Lord and watch him bless you. Amen? So we got to get out of thinking like the world and being, yay, yay. Don't yay, yay when God's zapping somebody else unless you want to yay, yay when God's zapping you. Can I get a yay? Everybody's like, yay, yay. Amen? It's always about the heart. You got to get out of your heart wanting to punish people who have a different heart issue than you. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And honest to goodness, if you had had a different situation, you would be the same thing you're yay-yaying about somebody else. Can I get an amen? amen. See, God's not like, oh, the poor. Oh. He, he's, he's totally okay with prosperity. He's looking at a heart. He's looking at a heart of somebody who acts like somebody is their property and their slave. He's looking at a heart that doesn't care if somebody doesn't have food. He's looking at the heart. He's actually going to divide the nations between goat and sheep nations based on if they try to take care of each other. Amen? So you want to look at the, the big picture. Is everybody okay? <laughs> it's like, wait, we weren't even going to preach that. No, we weren't, were we? All right. We're not even close to what I was going to get to. All right. We're getting close. Therefore, brothers. Wait a minute. Okay. You live luxuriously on the earth. You live for self-pleasure. Okay, I want you to get this. This is what they live for. This is their idol. Their idol is to get on that fancy boat. Their idol is to just have pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. How, how many know there's a lot, most of the people in the elitist group who are trying to, to be part of the globalist elite all live this kind of lifestyle. Amen? It's about a lifestyle of living for self. All I want is pleasure. All I want is fancy stuff. All I want. It doesn't mean that somebody can't have those things and be blessed by God. It means they're living for that. It says you lived your whole life on earth for self-pleasure. You nourished your own hearts as in the day of slaughter. You took care of yourself. You only took care of yourself. You only took care of yourself. You condemned. You murdered the righteous. And I would go further and say you murdered innocent infants. Trying to allow the enemy to destroy the most powerful generation that's going to walk this earth because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring forth the bride of Christ.
You murdered the righteous and they do not resist you. What is God saying? We're not going to fight. Get this. We're not going to let it in our hearts to fight the battles that belong to God. And that's why he's correcting this a little bit this morning. It's not to be in my heart for somebody else to suffer when God deals with their heart issue. Except for the grace of God, it would be you. If it's in your heart to have vengeance against somebody else because of how they've lived, then it's in your heart to live the way they lived. Amen? Get it out of your heart. You don't know if you were born in their family. You don't know if you were given their, that you would be any different. And if vengeance is in your heart to punish them, how? You wouldn't be different. How many, don't you just love God turns this stuff into altar calls? Amen? So everybody, led by Holy Spirit, I would just put your hand over your heart if he's convicting you. So Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for the envy in my heart. Forgive me for all the pain. For being the judge. Help me to love my enemies. Help me to love those who come against me instead of to want vengeance on them. Lord, keep my heart pure or purify my heart. Vengeance belongs to you. But right now we pray for all of those in this scripture. We pray that you would convict them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. We pray, Lord, that they would fall on their knees and find true freedom, find, find true prosperity. Forgive us for envying them and judging them. We turn all that over to you, Lord. And Father, forgive us for any bitterness. Forgive us for any self-righteousness. Forgive us for not caring for those who are struggling financially. Forgive us for not having your kind of compassion. Lord, we need you. Our children need you. Our grandchildren need you. Our parents need you. Change our heart, oh God. Holy Spirit, change our heart. Give us your surgery by your spirit. For only you know the wicked things in our heart. Only by your spirit could we get to this today. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for setting us free and changing us. Now make it real in Jesus' name. That's why our Tuesday night's called Make It Real. So if you don't come Tuesday night, God gave you a Tuesday night. Let me just get to the healing one since we'll probably just... End with this in a minute. Therefore, brothers, be long-suffering until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be in long-suffering over it until it may receive the early and latter rain. In other words, the Lord says, as a farmer, 
has to sow the seed and then wait and get all the conditions right and fight the insects and fight droughts and whatever has to happen to continue to work on that seed until there's a harvest. And as you guys all know from the teaching last year, even when that seed pops through, there's a lot to do until, and then the bugs come and everything happens. It takes a lot to get to that fruit. And then you have to pick it at the right time, get it to the right place. And what the Lord is saying in this, in these days we're living, ho, quit looking for everything to be fast. Quit looking for everything to be over. Quit being the judge, quit being vindictive. In the day we're living, you have to be like a farmer who's going to walk through the entire cycle of what God is doing and how he is doing it. And you're going to persevere and you're going to fight the good fight and you're going to do what you have to do. And you're going to let your heart get right. Amen. And you know that you will see that fruit. Amen. And what is the main fruit of the last days? It's first an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the bride of Christ coming forth, and then the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. What is so exciting to me personally since 2020 is this has become so real that he is really preparing us for his soon return. Amen. Now soon could be 30 years. Soon could be, I would not be trying to jump up and down and think I'm getting raptured tomorrow. Amen. What the church isn't ready. And the revelation that only half the church, according to Jesus' own parable, is going to have oil ought to shake everybody all the way through and through to, number one, make sure that those without oil know how to live and survive and not be eternally damned during those years when the Antichrist reigns. Amen? But it also should be a hunger to have oil. I don't want oil just to escape what the Antichrist is going to be doing. Personally, I think it would almost be better if I stayed and let somebody escape who would not be able to say no to the mark of the beast. Because the die is gain. But you don't get that choice. Amen? You don't get that choice. And so we want God to do with our heart issues. We want God to get a whole... I want my whole family to have oil. I want all of you to have oil. Amen? But for those who don't, I want them to know how not to be eternally damned. And we're in that kind of a season of training and teaching, for real, whether we like it or not. All right. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers, belong suffering till the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being long suffering over until it may receive the early and latter rain. You also belong suffering. This is an end-time message. You're going to learn to be long-suffering. When I walked through the 20-year trial for my son not to live and not die, I learned long-suffering. I saw my son instantly healed from permanent brain, liver, and lung damage one time. A prayer, he was healed. Yay! Amen? God has that kind of power. His word's true. But then when the enemy attacked again, it was a 20-year in and out of hospitals, NIH, all these different places. It was, it was uh, rushing them to the hospital in the middle of the night. It was watching my husband just not able to help but wanting so much to help. It was, it was and never complaining about money. It was, that part's amazing. It was seeing that my other son, you know, it was fighting the enemy who already murdered my daughter. You know, it was like so much going on. Amen? And I had to persevere and I went through long suffering. Amen. And it brought me long suffering. If you don't go through long suffering, you walk away from God. 
If you go through long suffering, you get in the word, you agree with God, you don't change scripture and you begin to understand him in a deeper way than you've understood him. And it helps to destroy criticism and, and judgmentalism. And it helps you to become strong in who you are in Christ. Amen. And my biggest prayer now is my biggest prayer. One of my biggest prayers now is God, please don't let me forget what I've learned. Don't let this stuff back in my heart because, because I, mm, you can count it joy because when he changes your heart, it's so freeing. And most of the church is still children and don't even have a clue and acting like they're the bride, thanking their fathers, calling themselves apostles. And we need to not be excited as we watch people with true callings on their lives go through the suffering the long suffering to get to the maturity to have what God really called them to. Amen. We need to be in this together. Amen. No matter what our backgrounds. Set your heart firmly because the coming of the Lord has drawn near. Isn't that exciting? God's like, He's having me preach this in the anointing today because we're in a new season. He's coming soon. How cool is that? For you younger people, you're probably never going to die. For some of us, we're not so sure. It doesn't matter. We're going to walk right into heaven, but I just assume y'all not look at me in a coffin, to be quite honest. And please, if you have to, please, somebody put makeup on me, please. Tell my husband, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just, I'm not, I know I'm not going to die, but I, when I'm up there cheering y'all on at the thing, I don't want to be like, dang, Lord, it could have made me look a little better now. Anyhow, I'm just saying, amen. And I'm, I'm believing that I really might be part of rapture. I know, I really feel strong you younger people are going to be, and we need to let them know so they'll be able to be part of that, amen. All right, Lord, the coming of the Lord is on near. Do not murmur against one another, brothers, that you not be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. The Lord is watching the whole church right now to see if we're criticizing each other, judging each other, murmuring against each other. He's, he's the judge standing at the door. What does it mean if he's the judge standing at the door? It means you're about to get disciplined from God if you're a murmurer. So get rid of victim mentality, get rid of gossip, get rid of moaning and groaning about things and how God's doing things and this ain't right and this and that because the judge is standing at the door. Remember, if the judge is standing at the door, that's not a good thing if you're the one murmuring. Amen? Get it out of your heart. It's not something you can get out just by wanting to with your head. It's something you spend time with God and say, get this bitterness out of me. Get this hurt out of me. Get this self-righteous, judgmental, demonic thing out of me in the name of Jesus. Amen? And even if you see what he set up here, he shows you how the enemy can set that up in your hearts. My brothers, as examples of ill-suffering, of long-suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He says, go, go read about Jeremiah, go read about Isaiah, go read about Ezekiel, go read about Jonah, go look at the true prophets in the scripture. It, this, okay, this is new covenant teaching, amen, about how to get through long suffering. You will not enjoy looking at what they went through and how they had to go through it and how they had to do, how God dealt with their heart issues, amen? 
But he tells us to do that. Behold, here we go. We call those blessed who endure. So I want you to leave here today determined by God's grace you're going to endure. Amen? I, I know this isn't happy, happy preaching, but it ought to be because don't you want to be his bride? Don't you want to be like him? Don't you want to hear him and walk with him and have no fear of dying? Don't you want to get to a place where to die is gain and mean it? Ho! Don't you want to see the power of God to raise the dead in your life and glorify Jesus Christ and really know who he is and get out of being like the world, but not into some hyper fake spirituality or poor me bunch of mess? Amen? That's where he's taking us. Isn't that exciting? Amen? But your flesh doesn't like it. Okay? Your flesh shouldn't like it. That's why it's called long-suffering, not long, have a good time. <laughs> Amen? Lord, can I tell you, embrace your trials, count them joy, let him change your heart. So you don't have to keep taking the same ones over and over. Let what he's done in you stay. Don't go back to condemnation. Don't go back to self-righteousness. Don't go back to judgmental and criticalness. Don't. When you hear it coming out of your mouth, shut up and go before the, the very fire of God and say, burn this out of me again. Paul says, I die daily. Amen. How many know that? I mean, this flesh gets in the way. It's like, it'd be, not, it'd be so good when we finally actually move into those glorified bodies where flesh doesn't entice us and we're really enjoying this freedom. But he is now seeing who is going to be his bride, who are his sons and his daughters, who is overcoming, who's going to be the infant and children who better know how to stay here during that time and then by their, somewhat their own strength, never give in to the lies of the enemy. We need to pray for them. Amen. He goes on. Yes, I'm going to finish this. Behold, we call those blessed who endure. You've heard of the patience of Job and saw the end of the Lord. One day, there is a teaching. I don't know if it's on the web. Is the one on Job on the mentorship? Okay, on the mentorship, there's a really long teaching on the book of Job. I've heard almost no one teach it right. It's actually always taught in a way to not see where Job so missed it. Job feared that his hoodlum children were going to be punished by God. He feared the enemy was going to be able to get them. And he did everything he could to try to protect them. And when Satan came to touch, Satan could still only touch the area in Job's heart that belonged to the enemy. Job also did not have the Holy Spirit in him. Amen? But God still blessed Job. First of all, get the whole thing. There's this one friend. There's two friends that aren't friends, okay? They're, they're what most everybody is in the church. They're the ones who criticize you and judge you and tell you what you should have done different, how you should have done it. And their hearts are not for you, even though they have all the right words. Then the one guy who comes along who represents the Holy Spirit, who's really not a friend, he's a pretty new acquaintance of Job's, he socks it to Job. And when he's telling Job where Job is self-righteous and who does Job think he is uh, challenging God and why does Job think he's faithful and God's not, then the Holy Spirit comes in, God himself, and agrees with that friend. That's the kind of ministry you want. You want that friend that God agrees with. And when God comes in and rebukes Job after this other person was a spokesperson speaking the heart of God to Job with the right heart, then Job repents 
And then because Job repents, God brings restoration. But there were still the consequences that his kids suffered because they didn't walk with God. Amen? And so everybody, I don't know why everybody changes that ending. Everybody loves hearing poor Job say how bad God is and how faithful he is. God doesn't want to hear how bad he is and how faithful God is. Satan had every right to attack Job. Job lived in fear. He raised ungodly kids. And he was just hoping that God would take care of him. So when Satan roams the whole earth, he chooses who has junk in them that needs to be repented of. And he has a legal right to go before God and want to touch them. It wasn't God being mean, saying, okay, go after Job. It was God pulling for Job that, okay, I know Job knows me. I know Job loves me. I know when the time comes, Job's going to hear me. And the battle's on. Does anybody know we live in those kind of battles today? Amen? We live in those kind of battles today. And today, when we're in those battles, we all have Holy Spirit in us to show us. Amen? So that's been mistaught so much that it's, it's really been turned around as a scripture against the faithfulness of God. And we need to break the power of it. I can just go really read it. Why does everybody leave out the friend who tells the truth? And then God coming in and rebuking Job. And then Job repenting. What God was saying to the other people is quit judging them. Your hearts are wrong. Quit saying what's wrong with him. Quit trying to figure it out until you hear from the Holy Spirit and you have the right heart to go to him and talk to him. Amen? And come on, we know that's all over the church, don't we? And we got in our own hearts a lot. We got to keep, get this out of my heart, get this out of my heart, get this out of my heart. What it is, it's trying to protect yourself. Why this couldn't happen to me? There's not a person on the planet that enemy probably doesn't own something in where he could set up a pretty bad trial. Amen? But God. God will take what's meant for evil and he'll turn it to good if we let him. He's faithful even when we're not. And we've got to die to trying to protect ourselves and we have to trust him. All right. Now, here we are, finally. <coughs> we want to endure. We want to hang in there like Job did. And we want to get to the ending that Job got to. And see that the Lord is full of tender mercy and pity. And how many people ever get to that revelation when they hear most teaching on Job? I encourage you, delete most of the teaching out there on Job. I think I saw one other person who taught it right that I've ever seen. All right. Now. <laughs> but before all things, my brothers, he means this. If he says before all things, he means this, right? Do not swear. By the heaven or the earth or on any oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you may not fall under judgment. That sounds like a pretty big thing, doesn't it? Let me go to the TP. Let me see what the, the TPT says about it. Above all, we must be those who never need to verify our speech as truthful by swearing by the heaven or the earth or any other oath. Instead, we need to be so full of integrity that our yes and our no is convincing enough that we do not stumble into hypocrisy. I, I, the Lord actually 
brought me to this, I think, well, it wasn't this. It was the same kind of scripture about generous giving the last night for something I was praying about. And he just put on my heart, before you say something, I had a situation with somebody renting my house and they wanted to bring a dog and I told them, I was back and forth like, well, you know, it's a half shot, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the truth is I need to get it settled in my heart. Am I going to let people bring dogs or not? And so with the renovation, all the answer was no. Well, the person never got back with me. And all of a sudden, three months later, they write like, oh, I forgot to get back with you. I want to bring the dog. Well, I don't want them to have the dog now. I didn't really want them then either, but I felt that kind of funny, you know? So I wrote back and said, well, you know, um, I haven't heard back from you in three months or a month or two. So we've renovated the house. We did this and that. So we're going to stick with our no dog policy. Then the person wrote something kind of sarcastic back. And then my thinking is, oh my gosh, you're going to give me a bad review and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) The whole time though, I felt not at peace. Okay, really listen, this will really help everybody. Does anybody know what I'm talking about that not at peace? You try to justify things, you rethink it. What would you say? What would you do? Blah, 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 blah. All right. When that's happening, the devil has brought in confusion. He's brought in the person could be praying you change your mind, some manipulation, all kinds of stuff. Amen. What happened is now the devil's in charge. Okay. So what do you do? There's something very specific the word says to do. If any of you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom. And if you believe, he'll give you wisdom. So I just stopped my back and forth. And at first I was real happy. Okay, we're just going to say, now I even offered to let them stay and have a come in early, stay a day free. And then they wrote, and I still didn't feel peace. So I got before Lord, Lord said, you need to settle this, you know, so people can't call. And then you want to, it's kind of like this. I'm trying to be nice, but you wish they wouldn't ask. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you don't want to babysit, but they ask all the time and you, you feel a little obligated and then you want to be nice, but it's like, wish they just wouldn't ask. All the young mothers are like, all the ones that are asked are like, okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's that thing like, I wish you just hadn't asked. Because now I've got to go back and forth on, you know, why should I, should I not, should I this? You know what I'm saying? Does anybody know what I'm saying? It could be something for work or whatever. And so that was my thing. And and the Lord gave me to another scripture about let your yes be yes and your no be no. It wasn't this one. It had to do more with with giving. It was the scripture on giving. And and it hit me. and, And I said, well, Lord, I said, you know, because I wrote back and said, and then they started writing back. So I just prayed. I said, Lord, you know, we read the messages because I did make them think there was a possibility, but it was never settled. They never called me. It was never settled. There was never prices or anything. So anyway, so I felt like, and then I even went online to see if I let them out of the contract and they could go to another house where they could have dogs. Oh my gosh. The other houses that had a hot dog, an ocean view and could have, could, could have a dog. Their prices were double to triple what they were paying me. So I'm thinking, dang, because I said, well, you'd have to pay the cleaning fee to really deep clean the house again, which is 400 And I really think that's really high. It'd be better just to go find a dog sitter, is what I basically said. And, and the bo- But once I looked, it's like, they're going to be paying $1,000 more if, if I have them go find another house. But I was trying to work it out. 
my heart, here's my heart. My heart was, I don't want to suck it to them. And I, in my heart was, I wish I had never even made them think it was a possibility. And then it's like, I wish they had never asked. They saw I have a no pet policy. And this was, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So I was okay um, just saying no. I said, okay, well, I did all I could do. And then they typed me and they apologize. They said, I'm really sorry. We'll try to find a dog sitter and, you know, we really didn't get back to you and this and that. Well, as soon as they did that, I really, um, and I didn't know it was the kind of dog that doesn't make any kind of mess. There are certain dogs that don't stink. There are certain dogs that their personality types and they're not puppies. And it's really, so it's kind of not, I don't really mind that much that those dogs are there, but I, I, it's just easier to say forget dogs, you know, because I don't need a dog there. But anyhow, so I called her. I just called her. And instead of having this miscommunication and me kind of judging her and how, you know, she put me on the spot and why did they do this? I just called her. And by the time we finished our conversation, we came up with what was fair for both of us. And, and she also was, they clean houses, her and her husband do. So she promised she'd clean it where even the housekeeper wouldn't have to clean. And, and so we worked all that out, and, and I just had peace. Now, I could have justified in my head why my no should be no, and she didn't answer in time, and, and I, then I need to deal with it. My husband wants a no pet policy no matter what. So I'm really, after this, I'm just going to not even open that door unless Holy Spirit really puts on my heart to open that door. But I don't need to open that door. You see what I'm saying? And I'm just saying, so even in everyday life, things that are not life and death, God wants us to do this his way. If you learn to go to him to, for wisdom, the minute it happens, he'll show you the deeper problem. My deeper problem was you never settled this as a yes or no thing when you made that policy. And this lady stuck in the middle of that because when she answered, you didn't just say, no, we really are no, no, no pet. Now, you've got her in a predicament, even though you have justification to change it now, right? Because we never came up with the price. We never settled it. So I wasn't being evil. She wasn't being evil. I was kind of trying to make her like she was evil. Like, well, I must be confused. She's probably prey manipulation. Okay, I know none of y'all do that. Right? I'm just, you know, I'm checking, Lord, I feel confused. I just break the power of witchcraft, Lord. She's been, and then you try to make the other person vile, all she did is ask if she could bring her dog, and then she forgot to respond by two months. And then I cleaned the house and renovated. I don't want the dog there. And the truth is, I missed it when I didn't let my no be no. It wasn't her fault. I didn't let my no be no. Amen? So if you find yourself in that kind of situation, come up with what you really are determined you will and won't do. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's what God's saying there. Set the policy and, and then make it really clear. For example, let's say with babysitting. Yeah, if there's a major emergency and somebody's going to be rushed to the hospital, then if you may have, hey, I don't babysit on weekends. Like you'd have, I just not going to babysit on weekends. All right? But then if somebody's got to rush their kid to the hospital, yeah, that's an exception. But it's not the exception because we can only get movie tickets tonight. Well, I hope Junior likes them. Now, if you want to babysit on weekends, babysit on weekends. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, God wants you to get your yes to be yes and your no be no. And instead of feeling like you're being taken advantage of, release, releasing murmuring, mm -hmm. 
causing that funky feeling between everybody. He's telling you. And I know if you're like me, it's like, I'm just nice. I'm just kind. I just don't like being put on the spot. The Lord goes, well, you're, you think it's nice and kind, but you get to choose your yeses and your noes. And if you're wishy-washy with that, don't blame anybody but you. Amen? Now, some people don't care. They, could, they would have, like, like you know, I, I'm just babysitting a dog. Well, I got my yes and no's now. I will watch the dog for a few days. Once a month. I will watch the dog for a whole week to two weeks if there's a wedding and a honeymoon. <laughs> Amen. And, and a once a year vacation. Because I realize I, do, I love the little dog, but I don't, it's not my little dog. I don't want the little dog in my house nonstop. And, this, and I've enjoyed the little dog. But I had to realize that I get to choose that, but I have to let my yes be yes and my no be no. If I leave it open, I leave open for there to be confusion, hurt feelings, and all these kind of things. I'm saying this to somebody because some of you are enablers. And then you're angry about it. And then you get upset or then you feel guilty. If you ever have, I just wish they didn't ask. It's you, not them with the problem. I want my kids to be able to ask. Amen. I want them to know it's okay if, they're, if, if there's an emergency and he has a business thing and he can't find a dog sitter or whatever. One day it'll be babies or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? What God is saying in that scripture, get clear within your own heart. Get clear within your own heart. And then make sure your yes is yes and your no is no. And you will stop the confusion that opens and the junk that happens. Isn't it cool how the Bible's so practical? And, and those people have a problem with that. You either have a God complex that it's your job to solve everybody's problems, which makes you an enabler, which makes you get angry and upset. Now, if you really never care, and it's like, bring the more, the merrier. Then fine. Then your yes is always yes. This door is always open. We could have as many people here whenever they want to come and whatever. If that's you, praise God. That doesn't make you better than me. <laughs> Amen. That's just who you are. That's just what you enjoy. That's fine. But he gives, he gives me, he gives Debbie, he gives Cheryl, he gives Carrie, he gives that. He gives all of us. The yes, to say yes, let our yes be yes, let our no be no. He doesn't say, don't expect anybody to ask you. Amen? He's just telling you, know ahead of time what you're okay with. I know the psychiatrist call it boundaries. I don't like that word because it's not in scripture. Here it is in scripture. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're wishy-washy about it, don't get mad if somebody, don't call them manipulators, don't say they're in witchcraft, don't say if they just wouldn't ask. He doesn't say, don't ask anybody. He says you can ask him anything, believe him without doubting. He says you can come, you can pester him. He gives a whole scripture about just pester me if you want to. He also has other scriptures that says you can say all you want. The answer is no until you repent of your idolatry. He knows what he knows what he responds to. Amen. But you have to just decide. This somebody needs to hear this. And maybe they're not in this room. 
besides me. Maybe they're listening or watching. All right. After that, Karen needs a lot to put on the radio, so I'm preaching, okay? Does anyone, actually, it's because Holy Spirit has me doing this. All right, here we go. Let your yes be no, uh, your yes be yes, sorry about that, and your no be no. Listen, that you not fall under judgment. What does that mean? That means other people aren't judging you. Well, they, they do it for them, but they won't do it for me. Or they love them more than me. Or, you know, he, he, he doesn't want other people being your judge. And if you're wishy-washy, you open the door for them to sin and judge you. Can I get an amen? This can be applied to dating. This can be applied to loaning money. This can be applied to anything. Let me, let me put it this way. There are things in your life that God completely lets you decide. Get rid of the hyper-spiritual stuff. I said, back and forth, I don't know if God wants me to have a job. I said, just do you want the job or not? It is a hyper-counterfeit religious spirit to put everything over on God. He does, it's up to you what cereal, if you eat cereal this morning. If you choose you're not eating cereal anymore because you read there's not that many health benefits of cereal, that's your choice. But I don't need your legalism. Amen? He gives us free will choice, and he gives us a lot of freedom in a lot of areas, okay? That's what he's saying here. You won't come under judgment if you know what your yes is and you know what your no is. But if you stay wishy-washy all over the place, you got them saying they like them better or they're mean or I don't know. Just make it simple, people. Just make it simple. If it's always yes, let it always be yes. Anytime you want to come over, fine. Amen? My, my, my one son and his, his wife were asked, they even said, would it be okay in a few years if we move into the same neighborhood? I said, it's fine if you move into the same neighborhood. But I'm still not babysitting the kids more than what I would babysit. I'm not watching dogs all the time. And I'm not cleaning the house up and all this for you. You know, so when the time comes, but I don't care, you can live here. But see, I couldn't do that if I was going to be wishy-washy. Because I would be I would be judging, I would be feeling taken advantage of all these things. Now, I don't know what it'll be like till I have grandkids. I now know what it's like to have a grand dog. Amen? So I'm not going to make those decisions now. I'll make those decisions when I need to make those decisions. Amen? But when I do, my yes will be yes and my no will be no. And let me get this straight. Your yes can be different. That doesn't make you better than me. It doesn't make you be, You may be the grandma of all grandmas. Well, praise God. You may be the dog sitter of all time. You may have a herd in the kennel in your backyard, and your kids can bring 50 dogs over and their friends, and you don't mind out there cleaning up the dog poop. Whatever. That's fine. I'm not your judge. I really don't care. Can my dog come? I don't have, can I bring my grand dogs over? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying this seriously. God's got to get us from judging each other, Period. And he's saying in this, you let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and then judgment will not be over your head. But you have to settle it and not be manipulated and comparing. Does everybody get what I'm saying? I know you get this because these, the, these are the stupid things we really do a lot. Amen? These are the things where, I can't believe that pastor. Just, guys, get your yes, yes, your no, no, and then it's fine. You and I got this. Amen? And then, no, then it doesn't bother you. 
I'm serious. I'm helping somebody today. Somebody needed this today. Somebody needed this. Somebody's been murmuring. If I asked your spouse right now, they're already said they're going, oh my gosh, they must have heard our conversation. Oh my gosh. Okay. Quit blaming other people. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you want grown kids living in your house for 20 years and you want to feed them and give them money for clothes and buy their cars and everything else, then do it. If that's cool with you and God and the other person, you know, your spouse or whatever, then do it. And I mean that seriously. It's none of my business. It's none of my business. Amen? But let your yes be yes and your no be no. And the same thing, God's on this one this morning, y'all, raising your children. Somebody else may let their kids do all kinds of things you don't let your kids do. Leave them alone. That's between them and God. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. I was an extremely strict parent in the areas of what my kids could watch, what they could listen to, who they could spend the night with, where they could go. I do not for one second feel bad about it. It was my and my husband's yes and our no. But I'm not judging anybody who did different, although some who did really different had a lot of more problems than we had. But it didn't make me superior. I will say this. I did chose, I choose not to punish them for being Christian. So if they couldn't do one thing, they had a lot more things. They had much more of our time. We did camping, went out to boats, went to the beach, went to parks. We made sure they had a great childhood, not a deprived childhood, and blame it on Christianity. It takes a lot more to say no and then to do things so that they don't feel like being a Christian is horrible. And it's up to you to take the time to make that real. Amen? It's easy just to say no all the time. It's easy to be legalistic and make your kid look funny, make your kid not participate in anything, make your kid have the, the, the joke of the neighborhood. It's another thing to make your kid the envy of the neighborhood, even though they don't get to go to that, they don't get to do that. Man, they, they go camping, they get to go there, their mom takes them there, they get to do, do you understand what I'm saying? Our kids should be the ones shining that everybody wants to be like, not the ones that are so disciplined and, and, and not allowed to do anything that nobody wants your Jesus. Does everybody get this? Because some of y'all need to hear this. Anybody can be a tyrant. If you're a tyrant in your parenting, you will raise up rebellious children. Amen? It doesn't take much to say no and be the adult and make no stick. It takes a whole lot to pray about what to say no to. And then, Lord, how can I make this no not something that is going to make them not want to be a Christian? Amen? I don't know why I'm saying all this, but you guys do. All right. Does anyone ill? Here's what I was getting to today, and we'll finish right after we get to this. Does anyone suffer ill among you? Is anyone in the church, the believers, sick? I'm telling you, if you can find me other scriptures in the new covenant after the gospels about how to handle sick people in church, bring it to me. Because this is a specific from a true apostle telling us, led by Holy Spirit, that believers do get sick sometimes. And here's how they handle it. It doesn't say, is any of you sick? 
just come to all the gatherings, your little contagious self. Does it? Does it say that? Can somebody show me where it does say that? It says, if any of you are sick, which means somebody might be sick, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him praise in song. So first of all, if you're sick, or that suffer sick could also be somebody comes against you, whatever, you need to pray yourself first. You need, first of all, to pray yourself. You need to pray yourself before you go on Facebook and get a lot of people do a thumbs up that they're praying or the little emoji, pray, 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 pray. Amen. That's like a five-second prayer. Now, if I do an emoji prayer, and I will, it's because I'm in agreement with your faith. That's it. If I do an emoji prayer, I'm just in agreement with your faith. Because if two of you can agree on anything, it's touching. But it's only going to do as much as you could do pretty much without me. Amen? Just so you know, we just emoji, 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 emoji. All you're doing is coming in agreement with their faith. Now, I personally don't put prayer requests on Facebook because I have stronger faith than most of the little people who are going to put a little hands on there. I don't want to be in agreement with their faith. Amen? I don't want to be in agreement with their faith. I don't want their faith to stop the prayer of faith that I'm going to release. I will call people who I specifically know, know how to pray and believe. I'm just telling you. So corporate, the more little, little prayers you get does not mean more power is being released. Now, if you're going to do social media prayers, minimum, hear from Holy Spirit, and if he says for, if he says to do it, I'm just going to tell you, you need to make sure to pray. If Holy Spirit leads you to pray for this, this is my prayer request. Because then you stop witchcraft. You stop the God. See, the minute I ask you to come into my situation, then all your unbelief, all your murmuring, everybody you get on the phone and call afterwards and don't think it's really going to happen releases demons into my situation. Now, people need to hear this because we are so goofy in the church. It did not say, go to everybody on social media and ask for prayer. It says, if you need prayer, go to some mature people who really know how to deal with your sin issues. And then their prayer, their prayer, because you're in sin issues, is going to be lifted up and then it'll happen. Can I hear an amen? It's all in here. I'm not making this up. There's nothing unbiblical for me to ask people to be biblical. And if you're sick, especially contagious sick, that you call the elders and let us take care of it. Amen. What about all the people who don't have faith and don't walk in divine health to walk into a very contagious situation? Jesus never rebuked everyone from not going to the lepers. Now, when a leper would break out or he would go there, he knows who he is. Amen. He didn't bring a whole crowd with him. He still made them go by the rules of the church of that day when he healed a leper. Make sure you're really healed before you really join the rest of the church. Am I pre? I'm just telling you Bible. God's not dumb. He knows we're all not walking around with this divine health, extreme, powerful thing yet. 
Amen? We're not afraid of it, but you need to be led of God. But why would he tell you to go specifically to the elders, to call the elders, talk to the elders? And let's want to see what he says. If you're sick, first he says, if anybody suffers ill among you, that means sick or anything bad going on, let them pray. And hey, if you're cheerful outside of the church, then sing, worship, have a great time. What's he saying here? Before you go into the church, it, you should be able to praise God. You should be able to sing. You, be, you should be able to have church at your house. Before you get anybody in church to pray for you, you should pray for yourself first. That's what he's saying here. Then he says, okay, if any of you are sick, let them call the elders of their assembly. That means that particular church that knows them. Amen? And let those people pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save those being sick. The Lord will raise him up. If you have committed sin, it will be forgiven him. What, what is that showing me? And then it goes on. Confess to one another the deviations from the law. Pray for one another that you can be healed. Very strong is a righteous petition being made effective. All right. Is that not so clear? God is making a direct connection to sin and sickness in the church. Amen? Look how much we got convicted over one little scripture getting to this. Right? Did, anybody get, did some people get convicted today of looking at rich people wrong or looking at poor people wrong or looking at the heart that judges all that? Did anybody besides me get zapped? Okay, so God zaps us all the time. Infants, children, sons and daughters, and fathers and mothers. Amen? It's part of the Christian life. And that we humble ourselves before the Lord, and then we deal with it before the Lord, and then he can deal with all that heart issues. Is anybody in here foolish enough to think we've been perfected and there maybe isn't any drop of sin in us that could allow sickness? Where are you? But I could tell you some people who preach like they believe that, even though more than likely they have had sickness in themselves or their families, and hiding it and covering it up doesn't do anything. Amen? Amen? We're not in a competition. We're in a real world with real spiritual laws and with real demonic forces and real angelic and God's way of doing things. Amen? So biblically, we are a biblical church, not legalistically. I mean, if Holy Spirit moves and said everybody wants healing, line up, we'll do it. But how many know usually the people get healed, usually, are people we've already dealt with those issues about? Amen? Ho, ho, when, when do we see people get healed where that's not the case? Usually infants who come in who are so scared and everything else are unbelievers. Now this shows us something else about healing. To him given much, much is required. Jesus healed people who didn't even know him. Although he did say if they didn't have faith, he couldn't do many major miracles. That was God. Amen. So what, what do we need in the church? We need to build people's faith. But faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, knowing God, walking with God, connected to God. Amen. But even in that, if you're sick, after you've prayed, then, okay, you've prayed, you've tried, you can't get over being sick, call the elders. They're going to pray over you. They're going to anoint you with oil, led by Holy Spirit. They're going to ask Holy Spirit to come and set you free. They're going to deal with your sin issues, 
And that prayer lifted up in faith of those elders to a humble servant who's, being, who's dealing with their issues is going to heal them. Every time. Every time. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.